Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Our guest this week covers the Duke Blue Devils and the ACC for the Herald Sun and the News and Observer out of the Raleigh-Durham area. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve Wiseman NC. He's Stephen Wiseman. Stephen, it seems like Duke might be the only program on par with Alabama when it comes to injuries leading into the season. They have been hit hard. Can you give us an idea of who Duke will be missing on Saturday and, and what to expect from their replacements? Yeah, really, um, the, the only guy we know for sure they're going to miss that was going to be a starter in this game is wide receiver Jake Bobo, a sophomore. He broke his collarbone about three weeks ago in practice, and so he's not going to play. Uh, so they're going to start a freshman, um, Jalen Calhoun, who's impressed in, in camp, but a true freshman, so uh, we know what that can be like going into a a first college game, especially an opponent like Alabama. So we're going to see what Jalen, he's going to get, see what college football is all about in that game. Uh, the other injuries they've had, uh, Kobe Kwanzaa, their starting linebacker, uh, the most experienced linebacker they have on the team, broke his thumb in practice last week. He had surgery. And, uh, you know, there, he's been on the practice field this week, kind of with a, a big cast on his right hand, kind of like a club. It looks like he's going to be able to go. I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start at this point, which a few days ago it didn't look like that might be. But he got through practice Tuesday and Wednesday okay, and we'll find out for sure with the injury report coming up. But it looks like he might be okay, so that's a, that's a good thing for Duke. Uh, the other guy that's missing is Mark Gilbert, a cornerback who was all ACC in 2017 he dislocated his hip last season in september and they thought he might be able to come back and play this season but he's not been able to get medically cleared yet so he um he's he's in pretty bad shape and and still trying to get back from that he's a guy that has the nfl future and it's kind of sad to see him you know such a serious injury so but other than that duke's in pretty good shape especially compared to what alabama's been through with the linebackers last last few weeks here Hey, Stephen, Brad Canning here. Uh, thanks for coming on, man, and helping us kick off the season. I, uh, I'm i so damn happy we're finally there. I wanted to ask you in regards to fifth-year senior quarterback, uh, Quentin Harris. You know, he's going to get the start Saturday. For the listeners who may not know, you know, last year he completed 50% of his passes. He ran the ball 46 times. Is Harris going to be a run-first quarterback, or do you expect to see an improved passer? Yeah, I think we'll see an improved passer. One thing, you know, he, he filled in for for two games and part of another when Daniel Jones was out with a broken collarbone. And um, other than that, he was used the last three years. He was Daniel's backup, but they also have a short yardage package they put him in for. Cutcliffe likes to do that with all of his quarterbacks. He, he kind of uses the backup in that setting to get them ready for when they have to take over the game. They're used to being on the field and all that. So he ran, ran a lot of the short yardage or goal line situations. So that's why you see a lot of running plays uh, as opposed to passing plays in his stats. Uh, he's not uh, the, uh, built like Daniel Jones. Quentin's not going to be in the NFL next year, a first-round pick. Daniel was 6'4", 6'5", Quentin's 6'1", 6'2", that kind of guy. He's a little smaller, but he, he, he's a, got a pretty good arm. And the only thing with him is accuracy and, and keeping the ball out of danger. Now, last year he only threw one interception, but his completion percentage, as you mentioned, was kind of low. So, um, but he'll be, he'll be running the full package of offense that they expect to run. It won't be like they're going to try to turn into a running run team first. Uh, sticking with the offensive theme, one, one thing that stood out to me is that Duke is starting a redshirt freshman at left tackle and a true freshman at right tackle. Uh, these guys will be facing off against the likes of uh, Terrell Lewis, Raquan Davis, LeBron Ray, Anthony Jennings, r- really some proven players at outside linebacker and defensive end. What's the confidence level in these matchups for Duke? 
Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, uh, you know, welcome to college football. Like I mentioned with Jalen Calhoun earlier, right? I mean, th- and this is a situation where the tackles, you know, you, you got danger of getting your quarterback hurt pretty bad. But uh, the, these guys have won the job in in preseason camp. Jacob Monk, the true freshman on the right side, is the guy that when they recruited him, they had really high hopes. They thought he's going to be. You know, he he could be a next the next Duke lineman, eventually be in the NFL, coming all the way through, like Lakin Tomlinson did a couple of years ago as a first round pick. Matt Skura as a center for the Ravens, so they've got some history of producing NFL uh, offensive linemen. And and Monk, you know, he's just he's ready faster than what they thought. He they had a, a returning veteran Robert Crailing who played tackle some last year that you know was all set to win the job, redshirt junior, and he. Um, it just he wasn't great last year. They had a lot of trouble at both tackle spots the last couple of years. So looking for somebody young to come in and take the job and really hold on to it for a while and really be strong. And uh, you know, Monk beat Crowley on that side. Casey Holman won the job on the other side. And, and here we go. We're going to see what they're all about. They're going to have to be ready really fast. Uh, so Stephen, in your opinion, what is this year's team going into this first game? What's what's their identity? And if you had to say that there's one thing that this is expected with this team to hang their hat on. What is that? It's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. They return a strong secondary. I know I mentioned Mark Gilbert that uh, being injured, but he didn't play hardly at all last year. So they return all their guys back there. They have a safety named Dylan Singleton, who was playing like a like an All ACC type guy before he broke his broke his leg in November and missed the rest of the year. And he's come back healthy. Michael Carter, the second, who's Played some safety in some corner. He's going to be at safety. He's kind of a ball hawk. Can help in run support. They play a four-two-five alignment, so you're going to have three safeties and two corners. And, and they've been known for having pretty good defensive backs at Duke uh, the last five or six years here. So I think that's going to be the strength of the team. They're better up front on the defensive line than they ever have been under Cutcliffe, and really, you know, in a long in decades for Duke. They they've recruited well there. Um, they have uh, uh, some talent on the ends, and Vic Dumukajay and Drew Jordan, Trey Hornbuckle, Edgar Serenor in the middle is a sixth-year senior back from a torn Achilles, so he's got some experience in there. They can run two lines in and out of there pretty regular and, and, and stay about the same talent level. Now, they're not the guys that Alabama has. These are future first-round picks you know, coming right off the line there. Uh, they're talented, though, and eventually they may be NFL guys, but some are sophomores, some are juniors. But I think that, that they're going to count on that defense, try to keep them in games this year because they're returning so many people on that side, eight starters, as opposed to the offense where they have four starters coming back. Now, I know you cover the ACC as a whole. Does anyone in conference have a prayer of unseating Dabo and Clemson this season and maybe knocking them out of the playoffs? Not that I can see. Um, you know, Syracuse gave them the toughest game last year. They're the only other ACC team in the top 25 enter the season. Uh, Clemson has to go to Syracuse this year, so I guess that presents some sort of, somewhat of a challenge. But I don't see anybody else uh, in the Atlantic because um, uh, NC State's down a little bit from last year after some of their personnel losses. Wake Forest is better, and they're a pretty good team, but they're not at the caliber of Clemson. And then you get to, to the coastal side, and uh, it's just it's always a, a crapshoot over there. It's it's crabs in a pot trying to get out, survive. Pittsburgh won it last year, but you know they were no match for Clemson in the ACC title game. I think Virginia's the best team on the coastal side. Bryce Perkins is a really good quarterback, really good playmaker. They're pretty good on defense, but again, 
they're they're a notch below where Clemson is, and so it'll really be a shock if anybody you know uh, beats Clemson this year on the ACC. Yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of Syracuse and also Virginia and the Coastal. Uh, but building off of what Wes said, you know, you have Florida State who's been down a couple of years. You've got Miami that's been down since the players that are playing there were even born. You know, if we look in the near future, is there one school that you would probably keep an eye on in terms of that next school that can consistently challenge Clemson? We keep waiting for Miami to, to fix it, right? I mean, and Manny Diaz seems like he's the type of guy that might be able to pull it off. He's got the 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 pedigree, you know, he's a Miami guy. He, the turnover chain was his idea. He got that going. What's led him to success under Mark Rick a couple of years ago? They finally won the Coastal the first time ever. Um, and you know, the recruiting base down there, it just seemed like they ought to be able to turn around pretty quickly. And and then Florida State's always the sleeping giant because you know they can they can recruit like everybody and the talent base is there the, the recruiting base is there for them. Um, I worry about Willie Taggart, you know the job he did. Jimbo Fisher left it in such a mess, and especially offensive line, just atrocious. And so they've got a lot of catching up to do there. But those are the two programs just because they're kind of sleeping giants and and then the recruiting uh, opportunities there for them. Did you happen to see the comments by Dan Enos as it, it pertained to Jaron Williams? I, 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 I read some of them, yes. I mean, just got very, very critical of his play. Yeah, how do you feel about, like, the, the offensive coordinator? He basically put the quarterback on blast. I mean, I watched that game, and to me, it seemed like the offensive line was a little more to blame than Jaron Williams. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know if that's him trying to tell Jaron, hey, look, you know, I know you're better than this, and trying to motivate him that way, like, I give you any, any, any slack because you're a freshman. I expect you to come in and do the job, and so I want it done. And I want it done now, and you never you wonder how these kids are going to accept stuff like that, right? I mean, he has to read that, and maybe he's saying something to him differently behind the scenes. You know, it could be this is some uh, you know good cop bad cop thing. Maybe somebody else is being the good guy. Maybe it's, maybe it's Manny Diaz. I, I just find it rich coming from a guy who uh, decided to just ghost his uh, his job and just throw everything <laughs> in a box and catch an Uber. So. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. It was interesting. It made it for good copy for for guys doing our jobs, didn't it? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, all right, Stephen Wiseman of the Herald Sun and the News and Observer. Again, follow him on Twitter at Steve Wiseman NC. Stephen, thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, we appreciate it. All right, Brad. Dylan Moses has a torn ACL. He's likely out for the season. Alabama will be starting two. True freshman at Mike and Will linebacker, Shane Lee, Christian Harris, they get the nod. How confident are you in this? Well, I'm confident in the fact that our pets' heads are falling off. I mean, my God. All right, seriously, like, I know we joke about Auburn sacrificing animals for black magic. We got got to do something here, dude. Like, (laughs) (laughs) toe has not met leather officially, and, I mean, it's unreal. But, again, what you said after 2017's national championship, could reign true if this year plays out the way we want it to go. Because uh, if he can do it in a shootout season, because we keep losing more guys, it's just going to essentially be first to 50. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be impressive. But, hey, you already know my opinion on Shane Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also the fact that we're going to have a uh, linebacker, a true freshman out of uh, Baton Rouge, old red stick area, mm-hmm. who uh, – Let's say Coach O maybe thought he was a little underqualified for his program. Yeah, okay. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. It it sucks that this is how they're getting their playing time. But, man, uh, if anything, it's going to help for the future. Yeah, it, it will definitely put pay off in a few years, you would think. Uh, after Josh McMillan went down, 
I, I know we kind of went down the list of p- potential replacements. Markel Benton got to start during that that next scrimmage. I can't lie. We mentioned Christian Harris, but part of me thought he might have been the most unlikely of the candidates we listed. This guy, he played wide receiver and defensive back in high school. The only time Christian Harris ever played linebacker in his high school career was during All-American Week. Uh, we're going to be able to uh, get every last bit of his linebacking skills then. So, uh, it's, I mean, that's, that's pretty damn incredible. It, it, uh, I don't know that that's ever happened. I mean, he, and he wasn't even an early enrollee. He enrolled during the summer. Like he didn't even get spring practice at linebacker. And now he's starting at will. So I, I just, I feel like this is probably a, the first time that this has ever happened. I guess we got to find the positive out of this. So there you go. Going kind of back to what you said, you're starting two middle linebackers. They're, they're gone for the year. Uh, a pass rusher who is expected to get significant time in a Yabi Anoma, he's, he's gone, transferred. Trey Sanders out for the year. That hurts depth at running back. Several guys who have been out uh, are just now getting up to speed. There are several options here. But if this team pulls off a national championship this season, this has to be considered Nick Saban's best coaching job. If, if not his best, it is in the conversation. No, to me it would be his best because you already know we're going to lose some more bodies on the way. That's so. kind of yeah. That's not even factoring in. I mean, it, it's inevitable. Guys are yeah. going to get nicked up, banged up. You know, the likelihood of someone being injured for the year during the season is is pretty high based on the past few years. Yeah, I mean, look, we're still good on the front. You know, our secondary is the best uh, going into this season. It's the best since probably five years ago, in my opinion. It just we're going to get killed over the middle on dink and dunks. You know, the run defense is going to have to step up a little bit. But at the end of the day, you got to score more than we do on offense. And there's not but about one team in my head that can do that. So add in DJ Dell. That's three true freshmen in the middle. Ah, Yeah, he's true freshman. But, you know, you go back to December. I've had high hopes for him. So. I can't wait to see him eat. It should be good as long as he can show up to the next movie, uh, team movie, so he don't get suspended. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so who all? Uh, Terrell Lewis, Devonte Smith, and the two running backs, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. Uh, there have been rumors of how long they're going to be suspended for the Duke game. Uh, I know there was a report that they'd be suspended for the first half. Nick Saban came out and said, basically, hey, that's not true. <laughs> that they haven't officially decided yet. Yeah. E- either way, I, your Najee Harris-Hosman bet is off to a rough start if he if he's going to miss a quarter or a half. Well, not really, though, because, I mean, if he's going to win the Heisman like I expect, he's only going to be playing half a game. <laughs> so... Uh, but no, I mean, I, 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 you know, let you in on it the next day after it came out, I had heard the night before it was going to be a quarter, uh, suspension and it's funny, you know, and God love him. He's Nick Saban's more open to talking about injuries and how devastating he delivers those news, uh, about injuries to us, uh, compared to talking about punishment. But at the end of the day, it must've been one hell of a movie. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess. Uh, assuming that both of those guys, you know, are, are not starting the game, Jerome Ford gets the nod or Keelan Robinson. Look, Jerome's ankle's not really, it's not, it's just kind of that nagging. It's not serious, but it's something that's just a little bit bothersome from what I understand. But hey, Jerome, he might be a, a little richer freshman, but he's going to be a beast. And I think he might have a few big plays. I can't wait to see Keelan get the ball in, in passing game, dude. I'd love to see him catch a few uh, balls and let's see that top end speed. We're going to be good for, you know, the half, a quarter, whatever it's going to end up being. The only real thing we're losing is pass protection. Offensive line against this D line is going to do pretty solid. 
uh, with exception of right guard, because it's five years in a row we haven't had a right guard worth a damn. So uh, not until at least week five this year. But no, I mean, it's not going to take a toll yet. So uh, we'll see. Speaking of the O-line, we kind of mentioned a few episodes ago that it seemed like Alabama was trying to find a way to get Landon Dickerson in the five. It seems that they have found that way. He's listed as a starter on their depth chart. Can you imagine that dude playing center? (laughs) Look, it's possible. Yeah, he's been practicing there, too. So him and Chris Owens. Two is going to have to stand on his tippy toes. Dude, two has been getting better, uh, you know, in the offseason from coming out under center, but... He is not from a guy that big. That'd be the biggest center we've had under Nick Saban. Like, that's freaking mad. Even when he squats down, he's still four and a half foot tall. Like, uh, but no, I mean, it's that dude is a, a massive, massive human being. All right, let's let's change gears a little bit here. You had something that you wanted to mention. Uh, the Roll Bam Roll podcast got brought up on Reddit, correct? Yeah. So. <laughs> We, uh, we have an accolade that we can now tout, and I am happy to share it to those of you that do not know and the ones of you that do listen uh, and I saw on Reddit. want to thank you for listening, whether accidentally or doing it out of spite. Uh, look, we are officially the number one most biased and homerist Alabama, web- uh, Alabama podcast on the entire Reddit website. We wear that badge proudly. I guess, I mean, I'm surprised that we would be homers about a school specific podcast. I don't know. We try to have fun here. Don't take it serious. I mean, my God, my jokes are terrible alone. I figured that would make you think not to take it serious, Uh, but we can tone it back. But at the end of the day, we're just here having fun, man. We appreciate y'all listening. Uh, It was actually funny to see us brought up and uh, Hey, I'll I'll be a homer. Screw it. You know, and we at least got some acknowledgement too, that we're not at least uh, fogs. We're not football only gumps here because we do cover other sports. Yeah, I mean, look, like you said, this is an Alabama-specific podcast. I mean, I feel like we're somewhat realistic, but, you know, this isn't a conference-wide podcast. So, yeah, we are going to lean the way uh, of Alabama. Well, I think we call this segment right now the uh, hashtag not mad but actually laughing segment. Yeah, yeah. uh, But, no, we we embrace it, so congrats, Wes. We we made it, uh, and I can't wait to continue the disappointment next week. Uh, I did want to ask you, uh, after the Florida and Miami game, I thought that Florida was really the only team that maybe had a prayer of catching Georgia in the East this year. It's not looking that way after week one. Is, does Georgia just have this uh, easy road, this cakewalk to the SEC championship game? No. I mean, yes and no. Uh, in terms of a team within the division, uh, no, I, I'm not. I was more confident in Florida last year being somewhat of a competitor than I am this year. And. I think Georgia's schedule gets tough when you look at uh, three of the final four games of the season when, you know, they're playing Missouri at home, A&M at home, on the road at Auburn. You know, those are three tough games. I honestly think, like Phil said, Phil Steele joined us last month, and you got to watch out for that Missouri game because Kelly Bryant can light them up. You know, and Missouri actually has played Georgia close in the last couple of years. So I won't be surprised. I don't think Georgia goes through the regular season unscathed just because how hard that is to do. Uh, And I have some questions in terms of their, you know, new offensive system, how they're going to utilize with really no returning skill position players at wide receiver. But no, in terms of in the in the actual division, I I think they they can lose two games and they're still going to win the division because I think Florida's going to lose three in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to see 
another team. And they, you know, Missouri can't go to the postseason this year, so you can mark them off the list. Uh, past that, you kind of thought it might be Florida. They just they didn't look very good uh, last Saturday. T- I mean, is there a team that could rear its head like Tennessee? Um, they got some good news. They had as good of a 24 hours as Alabama had a, a bad of one. They got uh, Trey Smith cleared, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, if, if not the best offensive linemen in the country. Yeah. And uh, Aubrey Solomon got cleared, the former five-star Michigan transfer. Yeah. How did I miss that, by the way? That, that he that, transferred to Tennessee. He did. And Michigan has had a lot of transfers recently. Well, they need to start transferring their hopes out of Harbaugh. But uh, <laughs> I thought you were actually going to kind of touch on that story that came out, too, though, about that damn, what was it, defensive back of theirs? Of, uh, oh, oh, yeah, of Tennessee, Bryce Thompson. Yeah, look, Jeremy Pruitt might have some explaining to do. <sighs> yeah, some? Yeah, he ain't had this much trouble talking since they asked him to say his fairness. So. Yeah, for, <laughs> for those who have not heard, Tennessee, uh, he's a starting cornerback, Bryce Thompson. He's out of South Carolina. He was committed to South Carolina for a while, and he did not sign with them on signing day. Uh, apparently, he had a restraining order against him, which is why Muschamp basically elected to wait to sign him, where he threatened to kill his then-girlfriend. Well, uh, about, I'd say, a month or two after signing day, Tennessee signs him. He's top player in the state. He comes in. He gets playing time. He's projected to start this year. He was going to be one of their stars on defense. Well, he gets arrested for a d- domestic assault. Uh, several nights ago. So now Jeremy Pruitt is going to have to answer the questions. Hey, well, why did you bring in a kid that already had a, a restraining order against him while threatening to kill a woman? And now he's on campus basically doing the same thing. Yeah, I really hope uh, Pruitt doesn't mess this up or we have to create the hashtag never Pruitt now. So <laughs> Nick Saban got raked over the coals for this. Oh, my God. If you, if you remember the Jonathan Taylor thing. Yeah, Jeremy Pruitt does not, not, as of right now, does not seem to be getting the same backlash. I wonder why. Just saying. I, I like yes. Jeremy Pruitt. I don't necessarily hope that he does well at Tennessee. I hope he fails miserably. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of telling when, when you look, it's the same pool of reporters, and there's not the same backlash. And it's pretty pretty much the same story. Yeah. All right. So before we get out of here, what's uh What's the final score? Are we going to cover the spread? <laughs> That's the big thing. <laughs> uh, I saw today, I don't know how accurate this is, that it dropped to 33. It went from 35 to 33. I think if they wanted to, yes. But it feels like, you know, Mac Jones is going to get a little run. I don't know how. They're probably going to get a little conservative with it in the second half, assuming they run up the score in the first. This could be a, you know, a backdoor cover or one of those ones where it gets to 35 and then it's kind of lingering there into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good there's a there's a 70 30 chance Alabama hits the over on their own accidentally because mm-hmm. Saban's not going to want to score after about 42. There, there's a chance. Uh, I, look, anything 30 plus points in any game is a lot. It is. But if there's a game this weekend that I think could do it, it's ours. I'm going to be interested to see just. What's going on in general? I want to see how sloppy we're going to be. And then uh, I, I just want to watch that ball from Tua going to Waddle, you know, because from what I've heard, Sart is of the opinion that the reigning Bolitnikoff winner is not the best receiver on the team, Jalen Waddle, and it's not even close. God, what I mean, this receiving core is just, it's just absurd. But yeah, I, I agree with you. The over under, I think, is 58. Is what it's sitting at? 
Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me to see Alabama at least kind of creep up on that alone. Yeah, I think they can hit uh, 51, 52 for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.